Um, my big takeaway from this one, girl, I love hotels. I really love hotels. Me too. I just want that smell in the hallway. When I it's know. A, you know, I miss it. I know. Mm. Hi, Julia Pensavalli. <laughs> Patrick Hines. Happy Thursday, everybody. I loved this episode. Did you love this episode? I love this episode. I have thoughts and feelings on it, which is always Same. good, I think. Yeah, so, <laughs> we do love your thoughts and feelings here on TCL. I'm not saying anyone <laughs> loves them. I'm just saying I have them. <laughs> you guys, just remember, if you're looking for more Jillian and me, maybe to get yourself through the holidays, who knows what you need us for? Or just a Thursday. Right. So, <laughs> Go join the Patreon, you guys. It's over 150 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. We are almost done with the vow, you guys. We have been, we got real mad towards the end. I we know. Just, we got real mad. It's just been like an anger fest. So if that's I something know. you're into. Um, also, <laughs> Making a Murder, Tiger King, Don't F with Cats. Uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Lacey Peterson, The Menendez Murders, uh, Jody Arias, Fear City, The Mafia one from Netflix. Remember that one? That was a cool three eps. Just a real quick shot. Like the in and out real quick right. <laughs> it's also ad free versions of these episodes corona check-ins after parties hang sessions with us on zoom it's so much over there the whole thing it's a whole party and all are welcome come join us won't you all are welcome <laughs> um are you ready to dive in girl i am yeah okay. i think i am let me yeah i am travel Girl, Amazon Music is back. Look, it is the season for all the Christmas music. We've literally been listening to Mariah Carey's Christmas music on repeat in my house for like two weeks already. <laughs> you know, I would not expect anything less. <laughs> Here's why I love this. They have so many playlists and radio stations. And so I love doing a lot of things for the holidays, like decorating and cooking. And all of that takes a lot of time. Yes. And I just want to say, oh, Christmas playlist, holiday playlist, party playlist, and done. And I don't have to think about it. And I'm just bopping around my house, putting decorations together or making cookies or doing whatever. And Amazon Music has it all covered. Plus, you guys, you can stream it all for free. You can download the Amazon Music app to get millions of podcast episodes at no charge, plus thousands of music stations and top playlists. Did you know the Indigo Girls have a Christmas album and it's on Amazon Music? <laughs> of course. And I know you have the little setting on repeat. Of course. And here's the thing. If you haven't tried Amazon Music before, for a limited time, you can get your first three months of Amazon Music Unlimited for free. That's access to more than 70 million songs on demand, ad-free. Play all the songs you want, when you want, free for three months. Come on, let's go. So you guys listen at home or wherever you are. Your holidays will be merrier with fun, festive tunes. Remember, for a limited time, new subscribers can get three months of Amazon Music Unlimited for free. Go to Amazon.com slash obsessed. That's Amazon.com slash obsessed and you get your first three months of Amazon Music for free. Starts at $7.99 per month after. New subscribers only. Terms apply. Offer expires 1-11-2021. You did great. Great job. <laughs> Girl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the Unsolved Mysteries episode, A Death in Oslo. Yeah, it's volume two, episode two. Yeah, and let me say, we start by hearing heavy breathing and then a gunshot. And when I tell you I jumped out of my skin with that gunshot... I should be expecting it. It's Unsolved Mysteries. That's so funny. I gagged. I gagged when you told me that, girl. I see you, but not in like, oh, you're gagging. Not that no. kind of way. <laughs> you're actually choking. This was the first one that opened with like a stylized reenactment or whatever. So we hear this gunshot and we hear this person say, It is very intriguing 
when they hear that a young, elegant, unidentified woman is found dead in a hotel room. I just said, look, we're in Oslo. I'm going to chalk this up to the language barrier. Maybe we could find a different word than intriguing to describe the death of a human being. Right. No? Yeah, yes, yeah absolutely. No. That's not what he meant. I'm with you on the language barrier. But also, he just starts asking all these questions that we know we're not going to answer in the next 45 minutes. Why was she in Oslo? What was the reason for her visit? Why was she found dead with a bullet hole through her forehead? Are you new to Unsolved Mysteries, dude? I know. Because we're not answering any of these questions. The thing, too, I gotta say that I love about Unsolved Mysteries this season is that they're very concerned with telling, like, global stories. I don't remember that from, from the original run, you know, like, f- from, like, 100 years ago. It was a different time. Right, that's true. <laughs> we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to care about other people more. Right. People who don't look like us, you know? Totally. Those kind of stories. So, I just have... Well, anyway, here we are in Oslo, Norway. Hey, Norway. I was in Oslo once for like 45 minutes at their airport. Steve and I were there for a layover. It was five in the morning and I had sushi. When I did the conversion, it was like $31 for like a little thing of like six pieces Like fresh, sushi. fresh sushi. Yeah. If I'm getting sushi at the airport, it's going to be the expensive one because I'm not risking sushi. Right. It's like getting sushi at a gas station. Like, no. Have you ever been to a mobile that sells sushi? No, but I'm just thinking like like. Penn Station sushi? Like, what kind Uh of idiot is eating sushi from Penn Station? (laughs) Cut to some lady on the Long Island Railroad listening to this right now. Like, (laughs) mid-California roll, like, oh. (laughs) I wish you well. I hope you make it home in time, woman, but I don't know. Don't get sushi from Penn Station. What are you thinking? Sandra, I'm on your side. Sometimes when you got to have sushi, you got to have sushi. Well, Sandra, wait till you get home and order from the reputable place. Don't get it from Penn Station. I'm not budging on this, Sandy. I'm not. You'll thank me later when you feel great and you're not confined to your bathroom for the rest of the night. Okay? You're welcome. So we meet our narrator, the guy who said the intriguing thing. His name is Lars. I just call him Lars the Reporter. And he's real fascinated by this case, girl. He's intrigued. Yes, he is. Exactly. <laughs> he's he's like, that's the right time to use intrigued. He's intrigued yeah. and fascinated by this. So we dive in immediately. The only thing we know about the woman is that a Wednesday evening in the end of May 1995, a woman checks in at the Plaza Hotel, which was at that time the top luxury hotel in Oslo. And she was staying in room 2805. So I've already Googled whether or not you can currently rent that room at the Plaza Hotel in Oslo. You may. I wanted to say also that this is no shade to Unsolved Mysteries. The reenactment is clearly was not shot at the Plaza Hotel. No. Because we see like the photographs of the inside of the actual room and then we see like... We see, like, the Ramada Inn where they shot the reenactment season. You can tell a lot about a hotel by their drapes. And, like, the drapes in this reenactment are no good. They're just no good, girl. They're no, they still smell from the cigarettes from the night before. Exactly. So we jump kind of quickly. We're three days into her stay. And one of the cashiers at the front desk realizes that this woman hadn't given a credit card for her stay. Now, I worked at a hotel for five years. And, like, I intimately know the procedures for checking into a hotel. 
hotel, especially a fancy hotel. Because that's super weird, right? Because they go on and on about what a luxury hotel this is. Yes. Wouldn't you get, you would get a car. So that's absolutely strange, right? A million right? percent. Okay. Yeah. Let me just say this here. I don't think there is any possible chance that there was not somebody on the inside of the hotel who didn't arrange this whole thing for her. The protocol at really any reputable hotel, there is no way you would get in without putting a credit card on file. There are more things down the road that we'll get to. Yeah. So then another weird thing that we learned, there's been a do not disturb sign on her room for two days. Yeah. Which is like, I just from a from a hotel cleaning perspective, that is Absol- never good. That is never good. A hundred percent. So they send one of the security guards up to that room. So one of the security guards took the elevator up to the 28th floor, walked up to the door, knocked on the door, and then a second later... And a second after he knocks on the door, there's a gunshot. Yeah. And then this security guy apparently waits a minute. (laughs) And then I have, and then this bitch turns around and runs for his life. Wait a second. (laughs) Let me, this has to be against every single rule of like the protocol book, right? I actually don't think that's right. Because again, working in in a hotel, in a fancy hotel for a long time, the security people are not cops. They are not ex-military. These are young kids usually with no experience or training that like they don't carry weapons. Like they are just like they're good people who are there to enforce the rules. But probably if you hear a gunshot, you are told to get the fuck out of there and call the cops. Right. Because But he like waits a little while. Yeah. Is the point that that is like really sticking with me. Like he was just like, uh, uh, I guess panics. I mean, look, this yeah. is why I don't work security in a hotel. One, because <laughs> I'm just not qualified. But two, because I do have this whole, like, the same thing with the housekeeping people. You just never know what you're going to see when you open a hotel room door. And uh, I, I would run, too. Yeah. I mean, at the at the hotel I worked at, in the five years that I was there, there was at least three people who died in the hotel that they oh had to God. deal with. Yeah. It happens all the time. And I also was like, I love that we know that, like, you're not working there because you say you're not qualified. We know I wasn't working there because of the sounds they didn't hear. Exactly. Because we didn't. Because the only, the only sounds they heard was the gunshot and then the, right. the elevator. <laughs> boom, boom. Of the, right. the security guard getting in it. But also, like, every single person also staying on that floor didn't immediately come out of their room. Like, I know. That's my thought, too. But so then this is important because it means, according to our journalist friend, that the room was unguarded for 15 minutes. So the security guard wasn't like, hey, I'm going to go call the cops. Can I get some backup just to watch this door because I just heard yeah. a gunshot? So it's completely unattended for at least 15 minutes. So no one knows if anyone left the room in this period. To which I say, how are there not cameras in the hallway of the fanciest hotel in Oslo in 1995? That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I know. It also doesn't make any sense to me why why security cameras are erased almost the minute they stop recording. So I, I guess know. there are a lot of unanswered questions. This is unsolved <laughs> mysteries after all. Can we get the solved mysteries version? When are they going to make that? Look, this is what I'm I saying. I want the solved mysteries. <laughs> So the security chief finally shows up. The door is double locked from the inside and they use their like security magic to open the door. And when they open the door, they see a woman dead on the bed and they really want us to know how bad the room smelled. Yeah, the room's a real mess, you guys. As I mentioned before, a do not disturb on the door for two days means like no housekeeping. Mm-hmm. And we see the pictures and it's like, there's no way to say it other than like this room was a fucking pigsty. Towels everywhere. There's a half-eaten plate of food with a sausage on it, which just turned my stomach. Ugh. I had to like rewind. <laughs> 
I had to rewind it for something to like get the thing and I had to see that plate of half-eaten food again. I actually looked it up. She ordered, it was like bratwurst sausage with potato salad and it was from the day before, girl. Like it just sat there. She never put it out for them to come get. That's like to me more sad that like what happened to this woman? I know, I know. <laughs> also like why why this is happening an hour after Tweedledum heard the gunshot, I have no idea. Like, come on. That poor kid was probably 20 years old. Then don't work security at a luxury fancy pants hotel with like rock stars and dignitaries. Like, I, I don't like, then don't work there. Be a barista. Just, don't, don't work in the security field. If I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would run too. I, my job does not entail me hearing gunshots and then handling it. I see <laughs> For a reason. <laughs> Wait, is he supposed to like kick the door open? Like, what's he supposed to do? Call for backup. Right. <laughs> and say, please watch this door. I someone someone in there shot a gun, so I need to know what's happening. Can you watch the door so I don't leave it unattended for 15 minutes? And then if there's a murder in there, they can walk out the door scot-free. You know what? I feel like you should be running the department. <laughs> Every week we learn a new skill. I have a lot of irons in the fire. I have too I have too much on my plate right now. <laughs> So now we meet a police officer whose name I cannot pronounce. I think it's like Auden Christensen. This guy, he's probably 60. He's so fucking handsome. So this super tilthy cop is saying that like they go into the room very carefully. And we found the woman dead on his uh, on her bed with the gun in her hand and a wound in her head. We are seeing these crime scene photos, and I just wrote, we don't need to see the pictures every single time Unsolved. And so up close. I They're know. really up close. It's really, yeah. So in addition to the, the wound in her head, and she's found with the gun in her hand, again, the door's double locked from the inside. There was no yeah. trace of anyone else in the room, no sign of a struggle. And yeah. they tracked her key card, and they saw, so they could do this in 1995. I know technology isn't what it is now, but the right. key card actually yeah. has a lot of very valuable information, which was shocking to me because in 1995 I'm thinking like I always base like the 90s on what band was big in that year (laughs) like what Letters to Cleo album came out in 1995 (laughs) so I'm like oh 1995 like this album was happening and key card technology was kind of coming into our own So they tracked the key card and they saw that the door wasn't really used all that much. Like it would, there weren't, they weren't, there wasn't a lot of in and out in that room. Yet, because there wasn't a lot of like coming and going in the three days that this woman was there, Lars is saying. The police theory was that she had stuck to herself. Uh, she had been alone, spent almost her entire time in Oslo within her hotel room, preparing for what she knew was coming, her death. And again, suicides in hotels are not that uncommon. It's creepy and morbid, but it happens all the time. Of course. Yeah, it absolutely does. And so here's the other thing, though. When they searched the room, there was nothing to tell them who she was. No no credit card, which we knew. We knew that she didn't have a credit card because it was not handed to the front desk, much to your chagrin. There was no ID, no passport, no wallet, no keys, no toothbrush, no toiletries. I mean, when we say there was nothing of hers in there, nothing. And then Lars is saying, and Lars comes back to this in the end. It's a really weird detail. He says the thing about her clothing was that A, all of the labels were removed from her clothing, Mm -hmm. but also she had like tons of jackets and sweaters. So like lots of things for the waist up, but literally nothing for the waist down. Does that make any sense to you as a lady? It makes 
zero sense to me okay. as a person. I thought you were going to say it made a ton of sense. <laughs> no, I mean, we need to have only tops and nothing yeah. else to wear is odd no matter who you are. I think okay. it's very strange. <laughs> I was like, is this a secret woman thing that we don't know about? <laughs> no, I feel like everyone is just mo- like pantsless for the most part in hotel rooms. Why? It's just you kind of, you're on vacation, Absolutely. even if it's a work trip. It's like, who needs pants in a hotel room? It's like, like you want to order the room service, but then you're like, oh, the pants. Yeah, tra- I have to put on pants probably, right? Shit. Travel down the road back again. Girl, Vistaprint is back just in time for the holidays. I say this every year. We always make our holiday cards on Vistaprint. And I always make one of those calendars that you can customize and like slot in all the pictures you want. So we like gather all the pictures from the family throughout the year. And then I make the holiday calendar. This year especially, I'm feeling very emotional and nostalgic about everything. So it's nice to know that you can give a really personalized gift to somebody and not just doing, you know, the gift card route or like, I don't know, something generic. This is really personal. Not to mention, it's like not expensive. You can do this and make it really sweet and fun and personal. Mm -hmm. And if you're fancy, you can add all your own personal touches, you guys. Like they have embossed foil and scalloped edges. That's a little fancy for me. Yeah, well, guess what? You're getting a scalloped edge card from me, so deal with it. (laughs) If they have those options, I'm getting them all. That's how festive I'm feeling. I know. You guys, Vistaprint is the holidays to me. I use them every single year. Rather than giving an unoriginal gift, make it unforgettable with a custom gift from Vistaprint. Go to vistaprint.com slash TCO to get started on your unregiftable gift. That's right. The holidays are coming up. They're right here, right around the corner. Don't miss your chance to get an unregiftable gift. Get started today at vistaprint.com slash TCO. That's vistaprint.com slash TCO and Mary Mary girl tinsel let's go I want tinsel everywhere so here's what she did have though they had this registration card that she filled out the only thing we know about her identity is the information she gave on the registration card and we have uh, found her name date of birth and telephone number, what country she lived in. Which also, I'm thinking, so she just hand wrote it. She could make, this can all be bullshit. Yeah, so we see the registration card, which I love that shit. I, I love that we get to see Girl, it. Girl, who are you? I mean, come on, yes. <laughs> so the name that she used to check in was Jennifer Fairgate, and her date of birth was, that she wrote down was 82873, so that would have made her 21 years old. She gives a street address in a tiny village in Belgium. And they're like, oh my God, we need to notify this, this Jennifer Fairgate's family. So they call the Belgium police, and of course, all the information is fake. They ran the fingerprints in the room. Nothing came up in the database. And the cop tells us like a few days before she checked in, she called the hotel and she said she was coming with a Lewis Fairgate. One of the front desk operators believes she observed a person, a man standing beside her. But uh, after that, Lewis Fairgate uh, disappears. The front desk person who checked her in says she remembered there being a man with her and the man was acting strangely, but then no one ever saw the guy ever again. And his name was also on this registration card, too. Yeah. So where did this dude go? All I know, I made a note that I was like, well, if the actual Louis Fairgate looks anything like the actor they got to play the Louis Fairgate, I'd like to see more of him, please. Oh, yeah, you're very, you have a lot of questions about <laughs> his location. 
And if, if how many tops he has, does he have tops yeah. and bottoms in his That's wardrobe? Right. Is he wearing all the clothes? Also, if Louis Fairgate even exists. I know. How about that, right? I know. And so Lars is saying, well, we could easily corroborate whether or not there was this guy with her by going to the hotel lobby cameras. The hotel had pretty tight security and they had cameras. But then, unfortunately, there are no information in the police documents about the police searching these cameras. So to me, it doesn't look like they uh, they ever searched the cameras. He's looking back through the files to see if there was like, if anybody looked at the hotel lobby footage, nobody did. And I don't understand this. I don't understand it either. Like this woman either, either killed herself or was murdered in your hotel room. How are you not going back through all of the fucking footage to see every move she made? Unless since like day one of security cameras, they've always been useless. Right. If, right. if so, this is just like, why, like, why should, am I just completely wasting my breath? Like, why am I even shocked? Like, oh, they deleted it. <laughs> the minute something bad happened, they deleted it. Well, and that's the, thing like again if there was somebody on the inside that was helping get her in maybe it was a setup and this person deleted the the foot who knows but there's no excuse for not having gone back through the lobby camera footage no excuse at all so after we find out that they didn't search the cameras for the footage lars our narrator just says to us straight up i think this story is so weird I think this case is so weird. And I, and I, I have just like, <laughs> girl, same. Lars, that's why we're here, girl. I think this case is so weird. Oh, do you? Do yeah. you, Lars? Me too, Lars. Yeah. <laughs> so they closed the case in 1996. And here's why Lars is so fascinated by this and doesn't want to let this go. Because they have this burial for her. We see like photos. It's so sad and lonely because there's no priest, there's no family, and it's just like for the sake of having a service and trying to respect this person as much as they can, but Lars is like, I can't, I just, I can't let this stand. But I gotta say to the people of Norway, like, you guys took really good care of yes. this, like, unknown woman's, like, body. Like, we see a picture of this casket in a room full of empty chairs, and it's so haunting. I mean, it really is like a, a scary picture almost to look yeah, at, yeah. but like her body is in there and they set up those chairs knowing that nobody was coming right and then Lars says like it was no priest but there was pallbearers like who are these men that put on suits to like lay this woman to rest like they really went out of their way to preserve the dignity of this unknown person it's just kind of amazing to me it's amazing to me too and I I do love where I'm like oh not just city hicks but like super sheltered city hicks because we are thinking like this is so nice that they did something that they at least tried and Lars is like that's not enough like Lars (laughs) is just like what kind of animal what kind of monsters we don't say animals because that's insulting to animals what kind of monsters are you in America where this is like going above and beyond this is actual human decency and this is why Lars will not let this go you guys in the 80s when there was like in New York City where there were all of these men dying of AIDS and people weren't claiming their bodies they buried their bodies in a mass fucking grave on Hart Island like they didn't give a shit about these people it is amazing to me the care that Norway took with this woman's dignity I, I mean it really was like emotional to me why is it important to find out why a person died uh, nearly 25 years ago. Well, I I think every life matters. I think that Jennifer Fairgate, whatever her name really is, I think she deserves a headstone with her name on. And I think her family deserves to know what happened to her. 
Also, we see them burying her in the graveyard. Lars takes us to the plot of land in this graveyard where her body was buried. You guys, it's a completely unmarked grave. I know. I have this weird, morbid, like, I want to go and go to the grave and, like, pay my respects. I looked it up online today. I found the cemetery, and I, like, you can actually, like, sort of view the, the area where she was laid to rest. I feel this, like, pull to go there and, like, put flowers down or something. Yeah, I know. I, th- I thought that, too. And here's the thing. We would get along very well with Lars. Because yes. Lars yeah. is, like, <laughs> Lars truly believes, like, everyone should have a proper burial. Everyone deserves that. I mean, not everyone, Lars. But for the most part... <laughs> We've been through a yeah, lot on the show, Lars. Bunny doesn't need a fucking proper burial girl. Fuck that guy. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it over a pint somewhere. You guys have pints in Norway, right? <laughs> so, but what he's saying is actually really beautiful. Like, her, like this Jennifer Fairgate's, per, like, her people deserve to know. Her family, like, everyone has yeah. somebody that exists yeah. and knows who they are. And that's, and that's why. So, in 1996, he writes, he starts writing this story as a journalist. And he keeps his notes in his desk drawer for 20 years. And every, one, every couple years, he tried to get the word out again and try to get interest. Because I I was sure this was an intriguing story, a real-life mystery that people would get uh, interested in. And maybe if I could spread this story wide enough, that could give us valuable information about her life and that could tell us what happened in room 2805. Lars is our people because he is obsessed with this case. Yeah, And yeah. everybody has that. Like, everybody, you know, everybody who cares about true crime or is fascinated by, like, this stuff has that one thing that you kind of give a goog for every now and then, you know? And this and, is like, it. This for Lars, like, he thinks about this woman. He He's so intensely curious about this woman's life and who she was. Like, Lars is our people for sure. And so now that Unsolved came along, Lars and Unsolved go to that little teeny tiny town in Belgium where <laughs> she guys- wrote, where this Jennifer Farragate wrote on that registration card the ad- the address and phone number they we like go to the address you cannot tell me that in 20 years of being obsessed with this case this is the first time Lars got on the Euro rail and went to this town the first time with cameras and the first time it's on Netflix I'm saying <laughs> the first time we are going with Lars it's so funny too because it's at this point in the episode that it becomes like a European travel show for me I'm like it's so cute a little bit I'm waiting you know? for the music where it's like it's like a cool montage with the Euro rail but no we're not we're not allowed to have fun. It's Unsolved Mysteries. I know. Europe is awesome. I can't wait to go back. But like we see this little town. It's called Verlaine. It's a population 4,238 people. And it's cute as fuck. And you know, Lars goes with this other journalist, Cedric. He's there to like, I don't know, help talk to the locals. And all of a sudden, bada boom, bada bing, bada boom, bada bing, bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom, girl. Come on. We've been through this. We've been through this. I I, I appreciate the effort every time. I'm just trying to, as the teacher, as the instructor. I know. I know. It's time. It's time. It's really time for me to know. I just want to take those training wheels off, you know? I know. Bada bing, bada boom. We are in the driveway of the mayor of this little village. And I just wrote, this guy is all too happy to be on camera, you guys. He's loving it. He's like, I grew up and then I bought a house next to my parents and then I became the mayor. He wants to tell his, he thinks this is a documentary about his life. And that's so nice. Congratulations. <laughs> and the thing is, 
he just wants to delay the fact that there's no information and he because right. he loves being on camera and the thing is because their whole point is like if she's really from here in the small town some it should be pretty easy to find her like someone yeah. should be able to identify her someone knows someone who knows someone and that's not the case and so the mayor is like are you leaving so soon I know because the thing is like Lars and Cedric are walking around with this drawing of Jennifer may I show you something Est-ce que ça, c'est une dame que vous avez rencontrée ici à Verlaine? Ça me dit rien. It says nothing to me. Uh, no. 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 Nobody had ever seen this woman. She was a complete stranger to these people. And, like, there is just absolutely no chance that if she had ever even visited that town that every single person wouldn't remember. Right. Like, you know, like, you see these beautiful Dutch people, but they all are kind of, like, normal-looking. And you see this image of Jennifer Fairgate, and she's, like, this woman with, like, short, spiky hair, and she's wearing this, like, long black trench coat. And, you know, she's very sort of, like, serious-looking. She would stand out in this little village, like, the way I would stand out in that little village. Right. Hey! Exactly the same, but completely different. Right, exactly. I would be walking around like, this is so quaint! Yeah. Meanwhile, she has like her cool trench coat on. She's listening to like Elastica and Garbage, 1995. Come on. I know. We would have loved Jennifer Fairgate. Like you have said in the past, I probably would have been a little much for her. A little. But I'm I'm sort of the way, don't worry, just stick with me. It's fine. Totally. He calms down. He calms down eventually, Jennifer. So, and Lars says this thing like where he's like there are no traces to follow like every clue leads them to a brick wall and he goes it's like following a ghost and I'm like someone has to know who this woman was someone somewhere I totally agree and the thing is the address that she wrote down on that card at the Four Seasons like they go to the street and the street exists but the address does not Jennifer claimed to live in uh, Rue de la Station uh, number 148 Here's 96, Uh, 98. 98, and it literally stops at 100. And then Lars is like, the phone numbers that she gave, they were like what a, like a phone number that would match this area. So obviously Jennifer knew of the area. She knew of this tiny little road in this little village. It's not like I claim to be from Belgium, but on my registration card, I wrote down a 212 number. Like exactly. it's not, right. she wrote down like, because in those little towns, they have their own little, I don't know, their own little phone, not more than just an area code. Like it all ends right. in the same four digits or whatever. Like that, she had a connection there. And for me, it was the street. It was this tiny tiny little street and she just wrote like a number that she knew wouldn't exist and it's like again I say if Jennifer ever visited that town everybody would know like who's the cool girl at the cafe you know but like she definitely knew the town but like all the information she wrote was a lie or could she have just I know it's 1995 but could she have just looked up an address in a small town I mean maybe or did whoever arranged it so that she could get into the hotel without an ID or a credit card also was like just use this address in this little town and she just did it like like just like a burner phone only in address and phone number form. I think to me it's very clear what happened here. We'll get there in just a moment. All right. (laughs) I think we're going to agree. Travel down Girl, Homer is back. Look, I love Homer. We've been using it with Daisy for forever. Can I tell you everything? Yeah, so Homer, not as in Simpson. This is totally different. This is something completely got it. Okay. No, Homer is a learn and grow program. It's part of Homer's essential early learning. It builds skills for school and for life. So look, this school year has been a mess. Daisy's been out of school for like eight months now. And so, you know, she's got the online teaching and her teachers are great, but we needed a little extra help with her reading and her writing. That's where Homer comes in. So Homer is an app. We got it for our phone 
and for our tablet. It's super safe. There's no ads. There's no commercials. There's nothing for them to click on. You do like an assessment with your kid. It's super quick and easy for them. You sort of pick where they are. Then they give the kid all these different options of like these different characters to follow. So Daisy follows the princess and the unicorns. Obviously. Obviously. And then it's all just reading games. It's like a little companion for her. It can hear her. So it'll ask her to say things or spell things. If she gets it wrong, it will correct her because it can like listen and be interactive in that way. It's been amazing. This would have been life saving and changing if this was around when I was a kid. I mean that truly. I know. Like all the personalized programs, they're super fun, interactive, the stories, the activities. Like I really could have used this. Yeah. And it's research backed, you guys. They say that the Learn and Grow app is proven to increase reading scores by 74% with just 15 minutes a day, which honestly is all uh-huh. the attention span a lot of kids have anyway. Yeah. It sounds like this is one of those things where they're tricked into doing something that's good for them, right? That is exactly right. We love Homer. It's been such a great addition to Daisy's online schooling. So you guys, you should get in on the action. Visit learnwithhomer.com slash TCO to start a free 60-day trial. And one more time, go to learnwithhomer.com slash TCO and start that 60-day free trial. You guys, you have nothing to lose. Honestly, it only benefits your kid and it's really fun. Now I'm jealous of your kids because I wish I had this. Great. Girl, HelloFresh is back. Look, I got to say something at the top. My marriage is okay. I know you guys are worried because I always say HelloFresh saved my marriage. What I mean is that it keeps us from fighting and procrastinating and not eating good food because when you have HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, you never have to worry about what's for dinner. It's already there, you guys. Yeah, and I think it's really fun because it doesn't take a ton of time. You see these images, right? So you get to pick the meals and you can switch them out of your box. They have vegetarian options, anything you want. When you look at the images on the menu, you see the final product, what you should make and all the ingredients and the instructions and you look at it and you're like there's no way I can do this and if I can do it it's going to take me three hours no 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 it takes around 30 minutes yeah you're not using a lot of pots and pans a lot of their recipes are just one pot you're ready to go it's kind of one and done and I just like I really love it I feel really proud of it I'm just like oh look what I made tonight Mike and he's like this is delicious once again I want to tell you a trick that we learned so you guys you can get different portions you can get it like for two or for four we upgraded to four because now we're like feeding Daisy what we eat which is like you know moving her on from just like the regular chicken nuggets. Sure. And then we each got a little bit extra because we like to eat. (laughs) And if you don't want to do that, you can get these add-ons. Sometimes they have like garlic bread or you can order little lunches and salads. You don't have to worry about food if HelloFresh is around. But like, I cannot tell you how real that is. Like that has always been the worst part of our lives. It's like planning for dinner, planning for lunches, planning what we're going to have. We order the HelloFresh. It's all taken care of for us and we are obsessed. So you guys go to HelloFresh.com slash TCO 90 and use code TCO90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. I'm going to repeat that because I really want everyone to have HelloFresh. <laughs> so go to HelloFresh.com slash TCO90, use code TCO90, and you get, you guessed it, $90 off, including free shipping. We love HelloFresh so much. It changed our lives. That's at the end. Goodbye. So then, you know, we're back to Lars talking about the police theory of what happened, that she was lonely and sad and she checked into the hotel and, you know, was depressed and didn't leave. And then she killed herself. But Lars is saying, if you look at the evidence, like she was freshly showered. She had high heels on. It looked like she was going out for the night. Yeah, because he said she was dressed in all black. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you wear when you go out (laughs) places. Obviously. (laughs) 
And then we learned that the gun that was used in this crime was a 9mm semi-automatic handgun and that there was a briefcase in the room. This is a weird detail they don't spend enough time on. There was a briefcase in the room that had 25 rounds in it. And like somebody says the obvious thing, like if you were going to the hotel to kill yourself, you don't need 25 rounds. You don't need a suitcase full of bullets. You just need the one. And that's what it was. Like it was all that was in the suitcase was just like a shit ton of bullets. Like where her pants and like things for her, the bottom half of her body should have been were bullets. Just filled, packed to the brim where you have to sit on it to hope it closes. (laughs) And all that's inside are bullets. That's weird. You have to do that thing at the airport where like you can't close it all the way. So you have to wrap it in that plastic that takes four hours. Oh, I've never had to do that. I've had to like put some stuff from the real luggage into my carry-on so that it meets the weight requirement or whatever. God, why do we miss traveling? It could be so annoying. Just let me just put it on the plane. Two pounds is really going to do a thing? Come on. Just let me put it on the plane. So now we learn this thing about how they found the body and the position of the gun in her hand. She didn't have the usual grip. She had the opposite grip. With the thumb on the trigger and her fingers on the other side of the of the hand grip. How could she still hold on to such a powerful weapon with this, uh, this strange grip? You guys, I rewound this 45 times. I cannot figure this out. Well, when she was found, she was holding it like the complete opposite way you would normally hold a gun. So yeah. I don't 100% know what that means, but I believe Lars. So what <laughs> it means is, is that like, I'm doing, I know you can't see me, it's not a visual media, but yeah. every, wherever you are, you shouldn't be driving anyway, but like, hold, like pretend like you're making a gun with your hands, right? Yeah. And then try to flip it completely. Right. And so you, when your hands are upside down and your thumb is pointing oh, down. the upside down. That's the part I didn't get. Right? I so couldn't she's, figure out how she was turning her hand that way. Right. Your index finger is pointing towards you, but your thumb is pointing down. And that's weird and impossible. Right. And according to everybody that that is interviewed here, they're saying that, like, that's a very powerful gun. There's no way that if she pulled the trigger and put that bullet in her head, that the gun would still be in her hand. This is heavy. It's powerful. It's more a assault weapon than a weapon that you protect yourself with. And obviously that normally the weapon will be thrown away. Yeah, they say it has a very strong recoil, so it would just, like, fly out of her hands. Right, and we meet this guy, Gear, I think is his name. He's a crime scene investigator, and basically he's taking us to a gun range to show us how this would be impossible. And so he's the one who says to us, like, I think there had to have been a second person there. And there's also a lot of, we have, like, doctors and experts, and the thing is, there wasn't any blood on her hands, and that's really important. So this is really important, and they explain this to us in a way that does make sense to me, that if you are going to die by suicide this way... You holding the gun the way that she would have been holding it with the thumb on the trigger in order to be able to actually like put the gun. You guys, I'm sorry. Like I'm going to try to say this as clinically as possible in order to put the gun on a place on your forehead where you would actually be able to kill yourself by Uh shooting yourself that way. Uh You have to take your opposite hand, the hand that's not holding the gun and hold the barrel of the gun to steady it so that when you actually do pull the trigger, the blood that goes everywhere would be on the hand that was holding the gun in place. Right. Uh And he's saying that wasn't the case here. And once again, Unsolved Mysteries, over the top, we see the most ghoulish photo. He's like, for example, look at this dead, rotting hand. And we see this like right. purple, rotting again, hand. Again, zoomed corpse. in for Jesus. I like, know, God. I, I, I mean, I like screamed when I was, it's so gross. But he's like, this is what that looks like. And that's not what happened here. Like, it just doesn't seem possible that she took her own life like this. So I think I've never seen a case without any blood spots on the hand when they have 
perform suicide like this or or like this or uh, against the head. Wait, but I see you're ghoulish and I raise you because now they have this poor woman. Wait, wait, we have to talk about this for 10 hours. What they're doing is they're they're recreating the crime scene, right? Right. Lars, like, in order to really see what happened, we have to fully recreate the crime scene. So they're in a hotel room. I don't think it's like the actual hotel room. But they're in a hotel room. It's him and these two crime scene investigators and this woman lying lifeless on the bed. I thought she was a dummy until she moved and I screamed at the top of my lungs. Right. So they, I don't know if she's an actress or what, but she's playing Jennifer and they want to see if it's possible that someone else killed her. So they are climbing on top of this woman. (laughs) They mount her and she's just lying there like a rag doll, just like flopping wherever they want her to go. And here's the thing that's really like, just when you think it can't get any worse, they're like, oh, so I shoot her in the head like this. And they're like laying on top of her and pretending to shoot her with an actual gun, like the recoil gun. So I'm sure they, I mean, they better have showed her 15,000 times that there was nothing in that gun, but that is a terrible, terrifying place to be in fake or not someone on top of you pretending to shoot you using a real gun like click it's terrifying and like but I don't know what the instructions were that they gave this woman because she never sits up like even when after they do that and they're in the corner like talking about what they think happened she's still just lying there on the on the bed like a dead body I know and so because I'm like wait wouldn't wouldn't Jennifer fight back and they ask the same question and that's when the idea of Jennifer being drugged enters the scene sorry can I just also say, like, wouldn't this woman just sit up? Like, I, it really freaked me out. I feel like they said to her, you fucking come in here and you lie in that bed. You're a dead fucking body. Let me tell you, as someone who has who used to be an actor who had to film some some interesting scenes, if that were me, I would just lay there, too, honestly. Like, instead of get, <laughs> sitting up and then it's like, because they kind of have you where they want you. It sounds yeah, yeah, like yeah. just, again, like clinically, it's just like, OK, I'm here. Yeah. And then you just lay there. And it's actually like it's a pretty easy gig. She's laying in a hotel bed those are always Uh very comfortable Um, I doubt there's a craft service area for her to get to. We never hear her voice. And the first time I watched this, I thought she was a dummy. And at one point, her arm moved and I screamed. Like I did with the gunshot at the, at the top totally. of it. Where I was like, what the fuck is this? But yeah, so they say like, you know, was Jennifer incapacitated somehow before she died? And so the person shot her in the head and then like she didn't fight back because she was unconscious. And then they placed the gun in her hand. I don't know. Like it feels like if this was some deep state operation, they would have known what it really should look like. But here's what I'm furious about. They never tested that back in 1995. Right. Just like they never looked at the the cameras. We don't know if that's the case or not because they never, like, what did they, like, someone, like, is there someone on the cops that's on the inside too? Like, why did they actually do anything to investigate this murder? It really is, like, over the course of the 800 episodes we've done of this episode, like, it does really feel like they don't really want to do their jobs sometimes you know what I mean then be a barista or something else (laughs) but like this this job like can be kind of hard I know like I know it's really rough I know I'm hungry too we're all tired but like do your goddamn job I know I know girl fab fit fun 
Fun is back. Girl, what is this? Like, the winter box this year, was that like your 100th Fat Fun box? I mean, I lost track because I'm just so thrilled. So four times a year time. Yeah, ju- just about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's never enough, let me tell you. It could be my thousandth box. It's never enough with Fat Fun. Explain what it is. It's a seasonal subscription box, right, that you can customize from all of these, like, amazing name brands, or you can let them surprise you. They send, like, full-size products every time. What you get in the box is worth hundreds of dollars, but it doesn't cost that much to get it, and that's my favorite thing. So, you know, winter, this is my time. I know. Come on. And I love Fat Fit Fun every single time I get it, but the winter box, really, they have this summer and rose cozy robe. I mean... It's a robe! Like, in addition to these, like, amazing skincare products and stuff, you're getting a robe? I know. The worst part about it is that I feel so cozy and luxurious that I'm like, I don't want to take it off to start my day now. Well, Daisy gets the box, too, and the winter box for her came with the Unhide Lil Marshmallow Blanket, which really is a blanket that looks and feels like a marshmallow, and Daisy lives in it. She, like, snuggles in it on the couch. She sleeps with it every night. It's her favorite thing. She's a little fab fit fun princess now. And also, to help me get in the mood to actually, like, do things after I'm wearing my robe, they said these Lily Pulitzer ceramic mugs. They're super cute. They're, like, blue. Yes. You know, usually I'm, like, black on black on black. Yes. And I'm just like, all right, I'll have coffee in this. I'm not losing my robe, though. I'll tell you that. You guys, order your winter box today. Sign up now so you can snag some amazing products like those Lily Pulitzer mugs. Or that little marshmallow. Yeah, the little marshmallow blanket. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Use coupon code TCO for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. Right. So use the coupon code TCO for 10 bucks off your first box at FabFitFun.com. Go get your fab on, you guys. Forget the fit and the fun for now. Just get the fab. Get that robe. That robe is fab. That's the fab. I know. <laughs> So then Lars tells us, he tells us that he does this thing, but he says it in a way where it's like, I'm really good at this. Like, people don't know to do this, but like, when I'm investigating a crime, I make a timeline of the order of things that happened. Well, let's go to the timeline, shall we? Lars works really hard on it. Yeah, and he's like, well, actually, this one was pretty easy, you guys. Because it all comes down, (laughs) (laughs) this all comes down to the key card. Because the key card registers every time you use the key card to enter the room, not when you exit the room. So we could see every time someone had entered the room with a key card. So she checked in on Wednesday, right? And they find the body on Friday. The big news here is that the police think that she's been in the room mostly the entire time and then took her, her own life. But Lars is saying they interviewed the staff at the hotel. We know that when the two maids visited the room at little before 1 p.m. on Thursday, the room was empty. That means there were no one in the room until next morning when Jennifer's keycard is used again. So that is a gap of 20 hours. So where was she? There's a 20-hour gap where she's not in the room and nobody knows where she is. Yeah, so like, so this is news. Like, no, girl, she wasn't in there the whole time. She was gone and was gone for 20 hours. And then Lars takes us on a journey that is like 2.5 seconds long, but it's a hell of a roller coaster because he's like, <laughs> well, maybe she just had some friends. She was out with friends. Maybe she right. was a sex worker or she was an assassin or a secret <laughs> agent. Like, it's one of those. And I'm like, wait, a wait she went from clubbing with her friends to either being an assassin or a secret agent? Yeah, it is weird. Like, where was she for 20 fucking hours? That's crazy. And then we learn that I'm shocked by this, by the, like, assassin secret agent connection. And then we learn that the Plaza Hotel, it's not just where, like, all the rock stars and celebrities came when they were in town. It's where a lot of really 
big time political meetings took place, like the secret meetings between the Israeli and Palestinian authorities, like that kind of secret meeting. But like that all was happening while Jennifer was there. So what they're saying is that like big secret meetings happen at this hotel that like if a secret agent needs to murder somebody, you could go do it during this time because you wouldn't get caught. Right. Right. And then we meet this guy, Ola, who was who was like part of the Norwegian intelligence service. And the minute we meet him, he's like, look, I wasn't exactly James Bond per se. But yes, I'm exactly like James Bond. Like if that's if that helps you. It was not James Bond, but it was a kind of spying. Of course it was. It was collecting information, having people to say things they don't want to say. This guy, at first I was like, who is this fucking guy, right? And then like, we're with him for two minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here to hear what he has to say. I like this guy. Because he says these things where you think he's going to give you a big nothing burger. Yeah. And then he says something like, look, this was not a suicide. It was a very, very well carried out intelligence operation. And it's really hard to say what happened, except that she was executed. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> no, he doesn't just say that and not back it up. He gives us all the reasons why he thinks that, and we'll get into it in a second. But I do kind of feel like, girl, if you like work with agencies like this, shouldn't you not be blowing up their spot by giving all, like, spilling all the tea on unsolved? Yeah, I didn't see the word retired in your lower third. Right. <laughs> So here's what he's saying. He's like, A, it's more or less impossible to shoot yourself in the head the way that she did. Also, the identification, you know how guns, I only know this because I do this for a living, but guns have like a serial number on them that are like really impossible to get off because they're really deep. Like you can try to like like scrub them off with sandpaper or whatever, but like you have to really do it. And he's saying the serial number was removed from this gun in a professional way, in a way that only people who like are members of these intelligence organizations would know how to do. Right. And then he says that the, the labels being removed from her clothes, we were like, what the hell is that about? He says, oh, this is totally normal procedure in the intelligence service and I'm sitting here like it is I know because he's saying they don't want to be able to trace the clothing back to any like particular country or region or whatever and then he says the fact that she was gone for that 20 hour period of time very common according to this guy that's very common as well to have a second place to go to if something should happen that's very common and then he's like oh yeah that the door was double locked from the inside that's child's play that's nothing Professional intelligence organizations have no problems with open doors. It's no closed door for intelligence. And I'm like, everything this guy says is a soundbite. First of all, that is the most stressful job in the world. Like, I I, again, something I would never do. I don't care if I'd be good at it, girl. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) You'd be great at it. I'm sure you would. It's so stressful. (laughs) It's like it freaks me out. But what he's saying is like the whole point is that you get into every door, you kill who you have to kill. Well, and the other, what he's saying here is that, girl, Lars, good on you for doing all your research, but you can't go by the key card clock in, clock out thing because we can get in those doors and make it look like that never happened. So, right. like, none of the information that you have is actually reliable. And I'm like, you know what? This all makes sense to me. Like, this, I feel like this is a solved mystery. Absolutely, like- <laughs> because then, then he's like, all the evidence was, was removed. The place was cleaned up. We do that, too. And even though yeah. it was a mess, but, like, the evidence was cleaned. And he he's like, the kicker, the icing on the cake is that nobody asked for her and there were there were no traces of who she was left he's like this is like intelligence agents 101 because what he's saying too is that like girl you think that nobody knows who this woman is he's like no people definitely know who she is if she was an intelligence agent and was killed in that way both sides will 
be quiet, very quiet, and they will go to the family maybe and say, you have some money here, keep, keep quiet, your daughter is a hero, something like that. And the government will take care of that family for the rest of their lives. So, like, from this guy's perspective and from mine, Jennifer's family is watching this episode of Unsolved Mysteries. They have all the answers, but they can't speak about it. Like, they know what happened. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a solved mystery. Totally. But so, for Lars, like, Lars is just not satisfied. But but it's weird, because Lars is like, huh, that all checks out. Anyway, I'm just going to keep moving. Like, it's not, like, he believes it, but he's still, like, he's got to just, for, in some way, solve it in, in a way where he thinks, like, it should be solved on the books. Like, he just needs more. And it's crazy because Lars is like, well, what about DNA? Like, they didn't, DNA wasn't so much a thing in 95. They weren't really testing it. They had a blood sample, but they destroyed it the year that they buried the body because they thought they'd never need it. So Lars, Lars decides that they should exhume the body. And so they do. And I'm like, and we're there. We are there on the day of the exhumation. We are watching it. The day of the exhumation was uh, really wet and cold and gloomy in in Oslo. We were very anxious about what we would find. And it was the universe just for, like, cinematically was like, oh, I got this. It was a cold and gloomy day. And I'm like, they are doing this on Lars's authority? Why? Why is, like, the government of of Norway allowing this? And and on his dime, by the way. But again, it's like, I mean, no one was at her funeral. No one's going to contest this. And I guess, I I, I mean, the government is clearly very different. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And then, like, these people who are involved in shit like this who, like, don't realize what they're saying. I know what you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say. One of the guys just like straight to the camera goes a bit um, surprised that uh, it was so much leftover well i was really surprised that there was so much of her left after 25 years who says that some like like one of our experts and i'm like i don't is that a language barrier thing or is that just like you being you want to you want to hide behind the clinical veil here but that's just like i guess it's surprising i don't know that's don't say it to me and don't keep it in on song i know know. It just was such a really gross, weird thing to say. But they say they're able to reconstruct a full DNA profile. Yeah. And so Lars is very optimistic about the information that they're finding. But it ends up being like there's just a big ellipsis because no one reported her missing. And she was probably totally a secret agent and assassin. And like there are a lot of tips, but there's nothing really all that substantial. Okay, girl, let's do a what do you think happened? Because I fully believe she was a secret agent and that something happened and she was killed by a double cross. I mean, I... I watched Alias. I know this shit happens. Like, she was so Jennifer Garner in Alias. It's unbelievable to me. I still have to watch that. I know it's on oh, my list. I know. It's so good. It's like so my speed. I would totally love it. Um, Even without having watched Alias, I agree with you because usually we hear like, yeah, here's what happened and here's why and like one or two things. In my notes, yeah. I have eight, literally eight points that that other secret agent said yeah. and they all made total sense to me, like down to the, the labels on the clothes. Why no pants though? Why doesn't she have any pants? We got to call that guy and get him to answer for the pants. And then the other thing, so I did a little googling on this. They say that one of the things that Unsolved Mysteries leaves out is that, remember that disgusting bratwurst with like the potato salad? Yeah. So gross. But they say that that was actually found undigested in her system. So she ordered it on the Thursday and she died on the Friday, but like all that was missing from that meal was undigested in her system. So either she was actually killed on Thursday right after eating that meal or she waited and 
didn't eat the meal until the Friday. It's very weird. There's so much out there about what people say the Unsolved Mysteries team left out of this episode. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, either way, she did not take her own life. Here, Here's another question, though, real quick. Yeah. To me, all signs are pointing to secret agent and she was assassinated, totally. right? Yeah. But do you think that they positioned that gun in that weird way to make us have a question about, like, because I, if you're so, quote, good at this, and I hate to yeah. use that word, and that, you know, the gun was professionally cleaned, the serial number was scratched off professionally, and then you go and just, like, leave the gun in this kind of weird way that that leads to a lot of questions. I feel like well-trained assassins are better than that, for lack of a better term. That's been my question, too! So I'm wondering if they did that to throw us off a little bit? Yeah! Or if that's just, like a new assassin who's just still learning the ropes. I don't know how any of this works clearly, but that is, I mean, cause I, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to budge from the assassin theory, yes. but the way the gun was positioned is weird. Yes, I totally agree. So that's my unsolved mystery. <laughs> You guys, we did Unsolved Mysteries Volume 2, Episode 2, girl. Or Episode 8, if you're just following with us along. (laughs) You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, you know where to find us. Go to the Patreon. Over 150 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. Everything from All Be Gone in the Dark to The Vow to The Staircase to Serial to Making a Murderer. Uh, The Jinx, Tiger King. Did you say All Be Gone in the Dark? Fear City. Sure. Lorena. (laughs) Also, ad-free versions of these episodes and ringtones and corona check-ins and after parties and the whole deal. Yeah. Uh, there's just so much of you and me on the internet right now. Girl. It's you for, again, I always say for better or worse. I know. <laughs> we love you, you guys. Thank you for making this our job. We're obsessed with you. Thank you so much. It's kind of nice to have a like mostly solved mystery this week, it's right? True. <laughs> I feel okay about it. I totally agree with that. <laughs> All right, bye. bye. 